Stand with me and turn in your Bible this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. You'll be glad to know that our uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 account, you know, our verse that God is able to make all grace bound towards you, that you having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work, continues to operate even before our monthly giving towards it. We had a local church. I just heard that they were on their way. I believe it was Ecuador. Um, uh, some of y'all don't understand this, but as you get older, names and places change. You can, have a friend, you can have a friend for 30 years and call him by the wrong name. But it was somewhere overseas. And they were going. And I just heard it. And I talked to the pastor. And I said, what do you need, man? He said, well, we're about, uh, I think he said, 150 pair of shoes short for the orphanage. I said, we'll do it. And he says, what? I said, we'll do it, man. Count us in. We're in. So they sent me the photographs. And because of that account that is separate from all that, God does here for us. I want you to know they're on the plane and on the way. And so it's, that's it's just a small thing. But as, all, as often as you have opportunity, do good to everybody, especially those in the household of faith. So some of these kids will be getting their first pair of new shoes ever while a man tells them about the love of Jesus Christ. So isn't that wonderful? All right. This morning, I want to read out of 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Verses 8 through 11. Now let me give you quick context. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. He had sent them a letter earlier uh, correcting them for uh, uh, incestuous relationships. It was horrible. Immorality. But then the other people just looking on and not saying anything. And you know that's where we find ourselves in this generation. It's not just that we're not participating in this immoral de-evolution. But that we're... We're standing up and speaking, and, and he's in that context, he said, I'm sorry that my letter hit you so hard, but I'm not sorry because of the results it gave, and it, 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 it convicted them. And listen, if you got one friend in your life that'll tell you the truth, you better hold on to them and care for them and be grateful for them. So here's Paul in verse 8 to the Corinthians church. For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did initially. For I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, because you were grieved unto repentance. You were grieved into repentance, for you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly relief or godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. Now just put your thumb there for just a minute or your finger or ink pen or whatever you decide to do. The difference between a, a worldly grief and a Holy Spirit grief is the difference between Judas and Simon Peter. Judas sold Jesus. Simon Peter denied Jesus. Judas wept bitterly and said, I've betrayed innocent blood and then went and killed himself. Simon ran off into the night crying, sought the Lord and found grace through repentance. So it's not enough just to feel bad. It's, it's not just the crying. It's the crying unto the Lord in repentance. Verse 11. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you. 
but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation against the previous sin, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. Oh, and they put the people out, by the way. You want to close a church down, you start telling people, you can't live like that or you got to go. Well, who are you? I'm, I'm nobody, but you can't live like that or you got to go. No amens, but it's the truth nonetheless. Okay. He said, and what punishment? And at every point, you proved yourselves innocent by the repentance in the matter. Very quickly before you're seated. Repentance is the gate by which we were granted relationship. And it is only by its consistent and thorough practice that we maintain fellowship. Repentance is how we're made right with God. And repentance is how we are kept right with God. It is what grants us continuation, connection to the vine, ability to hear God, to feel him, to know him, to enjoy him, and to walk with him. In four of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, Jesus encourages them, challenges them, and admonishes them, repent, repent. Repentance is supposed to be the daily substance of the believer. The daily substance. And the Lord convicted me about my own expression of repentance. And I want to share some of those things with you this morning. And us examine the scriptures and see if we have minimized the blessing of repentance. If we have diluted or polluted what it actually means to walk humbly before the Lord. It's not just that one time. It's a walking with the Lord Sensing his pleasure and displeasure and modifying everything and anything to get back into calibration with him. I want to speak to you for just a few moments on the subject repentance, the daily substance of the believer. If you would pray for me as I pray for myself today. Lord, you know and I know that I'm the least likely candidate uh, to preach Anywhere. And if not for your grace, I would be utterly consumed. And I just humble myself before you. And to the best of my knowledge, I don't know of anything between you and I today. And I just pray if there is, you show me, even while I'm preaching, that I might can make it right with you. I pray that you would open our eyes to see what it is that we're missing. What it is that we might not be doing correctly. And what it is that we might ought to do more to walk closely with you. It's not a legalism. It's a love relationship, Lord. And I just pray for you to give me the ability to preach that clearly today. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated this morning. The reason relativism, the motive behind relativism, which is there's no absolutes. There's no absolutes about God. There's no absolutes about sin. I was talking to a guy in my office the other day, and he said, well, there, there are no absolutes. I said, well, that's an absolute statement. And he goes, you're right. I said, so you, your theory done fell on its face before it ever got out the gate. But the church now has been inundated by an aggressive attempt to remove the word of God, because it's the word of God, I would not have known sin had I not known that I violated the law. 
And if there is no violation, then there's no conviction. And if there's no conviction, there's no repentance. And if there's no repentance, there's no forgiveness. And all that's left is the judgment of God. Satan's desire and design by this sweeping away of there's no real right or wrong, it's just your truth, is so that you reap the judgment of God. Those who are made in the image of God, he wants to reap the judgment of God. So it's, it's imperative that we know what repentance is and what it's not and what it looks like and, and how it should be expressed uh, in our lives as believers. Let me give you the definition of repentance. To not only think differently of and to feel regret for, but to change the situation so that it might not repeat. To change my mind. So when we repented under salvation, we changed our mind about who Jesus Christ was. We felt regret and remorse for our sins and we changed our environment, our friends, our path, our pace, our destination so that we might not sin against the Lord in the same ways. We had to make those changes. Repentance is not a feeling only. It's a change. Repentance has three primary components. Thoughts, feelings, and actions. Thoughts, feelings, and actions. I mentally agree. Here's my thoughts. I mentally agree with God's word concerning sin, morality, and holiness. I must, part of repentance is I must take what he says as truth. I don't change God's word to fit me. I change me to fit God's word. I must align. So when he says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yes. John, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. Yes. John, if you will call on the name of the Lord, you can be saved. Yes. And so that's how salvation happens. But it's how restoration and restitution happens uh, in our lives. See, when we sin, we don't lose relationship, but we lose fellowship. That's how a believer's heart can grow cold. That's how a believer's heart can be seared uh, with a hot iron. When, when repentance is not working, then the fellowship doesn't continue. Then you start, listen, living your Christian life out of memory instead of the moment and the continuance of Christ. I must change what I think to agree with what God thinks, trusting his knowledge of what is right what is necessary and best. I heed his warnings. I fear his judgments. So it's thoughts, feelings, and actions. My thoughts, we need to ask ourselves, am I in tune with what God says? Am I in agreement, in humble agreement with what God says? Then there's feelings. I should feel the shame, the remorse, and regret of disobeying the law of God and grieving the spirit of God. You don't ever hear about that in contemporary Christianity today. You don't ever hear about that in, pre in preaching from our pulpits. Sadly, the grieving of the Holy Spirit. When your heart knows that wasn't right, you might not even know why it wasn't right. And we've lost that beauty, that grace, that identifying trait that separates us from the world the world doesn't know like a like the fluttering of a bird's wing just barely touching you and you know you've grieved the lord the other day 
what prompted this was something I did and then tried to make right. And then the Lord showed me how far I've drifted from it being the common immediate reaction. My kryptonite is sorriness. If I see somebody just just sorry, you know, you walk in and they're chomp, popping gum, staring at the phone. Yeah, what do you want? And I go, oh, they're behind the counter. I just, I start to struggle right out the gate. And I'd, I'd went into this business three or four times and I was trying to get this account straightened out. So here's my self-righteousness. I've been in here four times trying to do this. And I could not get them to see. Have you ever been there? I could not get them to see that they're saying the same thing to me over and over again. Thus, I'm here for the fourth time. So if you keep repeating what you're saying to me, then I leave and come back for the fifth time. So see, in our mind, if you're right, you know, you're righteous. Well, not necessarily. So, and I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't cuss nobody. I didn't hit nobody. I glanced down to make sure I didn't have a Christ Chapel shirt on before I did anything, <laughs> you know. <laughs> But I just wasn't happy, and, and I just kind of went, while they're talking, and I said, uh, and I kind of communicated non-verbally, you don't, you don't seem to understand the simplicity of what I'm trying, anyway, it was just, you know, you can be mean without being mean. And I didn't get it out of the parking lot, and the Lord said, not acceptable. And I knew, I knew in the moment, I'm not telling you, we're not even talking about who was right. Because I was right. Have you ever been so right that you were wrong? And I felt the Holy Spirit say, call him. And I remember the guy's name. Y'all, I can't remember what I did three seconds ago, three minutes ago. To remember a guy's name. I so I called and I said, is so-and-so there? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Hello? I said, yeah, and I told him my name. This is John Wood, and I just came in a moment ago, and I just, I just owe you an apology. <laughs> I said, um, regardless of what point I thought I had to make, I should not have spoken to you the way I did or listened to you the way I did. And I'm asking you to forgive me. Completely. It has nothing to do with you. It, will you forgive me? You know what he said? You don't know how much I appreciate that. I said, well, it, it's just a flaw in, in my life, and I just, I just ask you to forgive me. Now, that's a small, small thing. And it dawned on me in that moment. I used to do that all the time. I, I used to feel that flutter, that John, John, that grieved him, that tone, that attitude, that, uh, that thing that you watch that now we rationalize and keep watching or keep listening to. And I realized that that instantaneous repentance surprised me only because it wasn't common. I'm not talking about the gross sins alone. 
but just the, the, the thoughts and feelings that we have to know that we've grieved him. Repentance also means that you change your mind so deeply that it changes you. I don't just change my thoughts and I don't just change my feelings. You know, it's not just about feelings, but it's about actions. Repentance means you change your mind about your behavior so deeply that, you change, that it changes you. Change your environment, your relationships, your priorities, your direction, your motives, your boundaries. We're to do this. Repentance is to be personal, um, individual. It's supposed to be single, like singleness, like you. It's supposed to be authentic. It's supposed to be intentional and willing. Repent willingly, passionately, thoroughly. Where Jesus said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. You don't hear that. When's the last time you heard that preached on Christian television? I know a man. I won't name him. Probably, I don't think he's here uh, this morning. Uh, but runs his own business. He's successful and he has, of course, a top-tier smartphone. And it was a struggle for him to have the smartphone. He's in my office and I said, well, get rid of it. He said, do you know what that'll cost me? And right then, it was like you heard a tuning fork go, ding. And I said, I know it'll cost you if you don't. So the next time I saw him, he had like a $5 Nokia. You know, the text, you have to go back, four over, one letter. He said, I said, how you doing, man? And he said, this thing is driving me crazy. And he said, but the thing we've talked about, listen, his countenance just glowed. He goes, I'm so good. He said, it has cost me thousands and saved me unspeakable things. Be careful that you're not taking your cues about how far repentance should go from ungodly and carnal people. Only you know the distance that needs to take place. I've got a buddy of mine that's uh, here today. Years ago, I mean, b before he ever went to church, anything, uh, I was his one connection. I did the grass for the restaurant where he worked, and uh, um, I did it for dinner coupons instead of money. It's a long story, but I ate well. And uh, he, he came to ask me, he said, John, can I just, I don't remember if it was in person or over the phone. He said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He goes, what does unrepentant mean? I said, what do you mean? He goes, what, what does that mean? I said, why? He said, I know you're going to think I'm crazy. Now, this is before he was born again. He said, it wasn't audible, but I heard a voice say, you have an unrepentant heart. And I said, that's the Lord. And he said, what does it mean? Said, you won't change your mind about what you're doing. You won't bow your knee to the Lord. You won't feel remorse and regret. And you won't make the necessary changes to, to obey him. And he was very meek. He, he said, I believe that's it. I understand. And his journey took him a while from that moment. But later, I witnessed him come to the full saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through repentance through 
making the changes necessary. And it's not just the changing of the life. It's the changing of the life for the Lord and for his sake. Repentance is primarily produced by the will, word, and work of God. Now, don't, you play your part, but understand that uh, conviction, when you feel convicted about something, that's God giving you permission to repent. It's God that works to do his good will and pleasure in your life. When the revelation of his word happens in your heart or the, the prompting of his spirit in the moment, like for me the other day, and he convicts you, your obedience is the positive side of repentance. God is working. It's God that convicts you. God says, call them. Apologize. He'll bring to your memory. I had to go tell a guy, this was a couple years ago, that I worked for when I was 19 that I stole from his restaurant. So I'm pastoring now, you know, at that time you got 1,200,000 people here and you know, you're on TV and everything. And I go, <laughs> I go up to his door. Yeah, you got a minute? He said, yes. So I began to tell him, and I said, and what I used to do is I'd take your tickets, and, you know, you'd peel the ticket off, and you'd hang it up, and they'd throw it in the floor when they were done with it. And if the people paid in cash, it wouldn't show up, and I'd reuse the ticket and put it on somebody's table. If they paid in cash, I would keep the cash. And he looked at me, and he goes, well, that was kind of smart. I was like, my evil run deep, sir. <laughs> do what you got to do, you know. And I said, I probably stole about three to $500 and I want to pay you. And he said, no, that's not necessary. I said, but it's right. It's necessary. Is there a way about you that kneels quickly when you know you grieve the Lord. Where you apologize quickly. Where you cut off that which is causing you to stumble. That you gouge out that which is causing you to stumble. Where you cut off opportunity. I remember in my first true repentance in college. When I surrendered my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember taking all my fraternity jerseys. And this may seem like a small thing to you. It was the biggest thing in my life to date. I was 24 years old. And everything in my life was wrapped up in that college scene. I didn't have anything outside of that. So I stacked up all the fraternity jerseys. And I put the brother's pin on it. And I walked into the fraternity house. And I'm not saying your story has to be mine. I'm just telling you mine. And I walked in and I put them... I went in, they were playing pool, and they're on the counter, you know, kegs are everywhere. And uh, I said, guys, um, I just want to tell you that I love you, and I, I got to, I got to, uh, I can't be a brother in this anymore. And then, of course, a couple people, you know, oh, John done got Jesus, Holy John, you know, look at Mr. Holy Roller. I said, oh, no, no, sir, I'm not judging you. I'm judging me. Now, watch. I know that I'm not strong enough in my new faith to live in the vortex of this pattern of sin that I lived in for years. So I have to make the necessary changes to separate myself. You know, he that would not fall should not walk in slippery places. You know, it's a 0% chance of me getting shot in Atlanta today. 
You know why? Not in Atlanta. Had a buddy of mine, Sarah's of my jersey, said, y'all just spread them out. Y'all can have them. And here's my pen. And he goes, six months, you'll be right back at this bar stool. We're coming up on 40 years. Coming up on 40, you know. We, we should have them just not only at the beginning, but all along the way. A change of mind, which produces a change of direction, which produces the change of feelings, like where we didn't feel bad about something. Be careful when a Christian is living in open sin and says, well, I don't feel convicted about it. That is so scary to hear. Which means, you know, like you go into the doctor's office and you've been in a car wreck and they poke you in the foot. Do you feel that? I don't feel nothing. Do you feel this? I don't feel nothing. When a Christian doesn't feel the grieving of the Lord, there's serious soul problems. Their conscience is becoming seared. And sometimes the Lord will let you go years in that and then give you one open door where you feel again, where you remember. I know what it's like to sit out just like you are and remember who you used to be. To remember how tender your heart used to be. But there's a cost for that anointing. And it's repentance. Repentance is always unto God. First and foremost, you may make it right with other people later, but repentance is unto God. David said, against you and you only have I sinned. So you didn't sin against Uriah? You killed the man. You didn't sin against Bathsheba? He said, yes, but before I even touch those, God needs to know that I know that I sinned against him exclusively, intentionally. And I humble myself before you. And I repent, oh God. And God forgave him. He still paid. See, there's fallout from our sin, but that's not penalty. That's just reaping. But it's unto God foremost. People generally repent when they learn enough that they choose to. This is really good. Hurt enough that they want to. How many people that describes you? Or love enough that they are quick to. People generally repent when they learn enough that they choose to. Hurt enough that they want to. Or love enough that they are quick to. The characteristics of repentance. This is what the Lord showed me this week. Let me tell you what it's not. It's not just being ashamed. Or remorseful. Or even taking responsibility for the failure. It's not saying I'm sorry. This is so embarrassing. Um, I did not know that I fell into the habit of apologizing to God instead of repenting. I said it all the time. I'd say, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so so I would apologize to God. And it was like out of relationship and out of friendship. But sorry is not repentance. Do you see how subtle the devil is? I'm communicating with God. I'm having grief. I'm remorseful. But that's not repentance. 
Repentance is not saying I'm sorry. It's coming into agreement with God's word and calling it sin and then making the necessary adjustments so that I won't do that again. That's the difference. I was very sorry. I just wasn't being repentant. It's like that man that beats his wife up over and over. God help you, sir, if you went to a little South Georgia church and did that. Those deacons come to visit you. I had a buddy of mine that... (laughs) I lose my place here, but his this woman kept this woman got beat up, and the deacons went over to his house in broad daylight and put their hat and said, Are "You brother so and so, yeah." One of them pulled him off the porch, and they beat the brakes off of him in the front yard, and put the church card on top of him, and said, "You touch my sister again, we'll kill you." And God delivered him. It was it was a miracle. It was a deliverance <laughs> ministry. But that man that keeps hitting his wife and then goes, oh, baby, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then doesn't make the necessary changes so that that doesn't happen again. Repentance is not tears. Repentance is change. Listen, repentance is change. Well, I know I I worry all the time. Well, worry is an accusation against God. Be anxious for nothing. Lord, I'm sorry. I I know, but that's not repentance. Repentance is, I will not allow myself the luxury to accuse God in my heart so that I have to worry about his faithfulness. Not going to do it. I'm changing. And you make the changes. There's the fruits of repentance. Where you change the direction, the attitude, the position, the intentions, the separation. Uh, when the, Jesus and John the Baptist saw the people coming t- to hear the gospel, he said, oh, no, you, you, don't, you brood of vipers, who's warned you of the wrath to come? You need to bring uh, the evidence of your repentance. You remember when he saw Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus said, Lord, I've, I've sinned and, and those people I stole from, I've, I've paid them back four times everything I stole from them. And Jesus said, Zacchaeus, salvation's come to your house. Oh, you're saved now because you give people four times back? No, no. It was the evidence of the working of the Holy Spirit that he did not want to do that anymore. It was towards God. Is there fruits of repentance in your life? Evidence. Are you the first one to apologize? Now, I'm not saying exclusively, but I just submit this to you. If it's two believers... Especially, the more sensitive one to God's spirit usually apologizes first. But that doesn't mean they do it thoroughly. They may do it just to win. But if you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I don't want to just, I don't want to be right. I want us to be good Kelly and I have been married 15, 15 years now, 14. Best two decades of my life. It's been wonderful. And I know y'all don't ever have these problems, but did you know we have disagreements of soul and spirit? And, you know, we're both, we both want to walk with the Lord. And marriage, you think marriage is going to complete you. That refining Jason was talking about. You didn't know who you, who you were till you got married. You know it? She got put with somebody that was perfect, and she's got to try to, you know, uh, 
I'm teasing. That was a joke. You done heard me telling you my stuff. You know that ain't true. But there's a limited repentance too. That's disingenuous, disingenuous, presumptuous, and too late. When Esau lost his birthright, he repented, even with tears, but there was no room found for him to repent, which meant he could not undo the results of his choices. So we can't be just hoping, just repenting, just to change the outcome of our life. It has to be, Lord, if you don't do anything for my cause, I want to repent for your sake. And for my sake before you. The beauty of repentance. Is that it's birthed by the work of the Holy Spirit. No. Not that. Not that way. Not yet. Yes, do this, do this. Well, I don't Do it. Yes, yes. It's not just the laws of God. Listen. It's the leadings of God. And you can grieve the Lord. Jesus said his sheep hear his voice. You know if it's the Lord and follow him. So I, I'm not, I don't mean this to be heavy or, or oppressive. I want it to be freeing for you. We need to get back to where we kneel quickly and change thoroughly. Where when, you can, when someone says, well, what's your Christian life? Said, I'm repenting better today than I ever have. I'm repenting. It's the daily substance of the believer. The beauty of repentance is that it's predicated by relationship. Gratitude propels us to be repentant. This, what my sister said, you don't owe me nothing. You don't owe me anything. I owe you everything. And that, that sense of gratitude compels us to live repentant. It's predicated by my relationship. Beloved, now we're the sons of God. I'm not repenting to be saved. I'm repenting because I am saved. Now we're the sons of God. And Lord, I know, see, where the carnal man just clutches. I'm a, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. But what kind of son are you? I'm a son of God. Are you an honorable son? Oh, are you a faithful son? Are you a dependable son? Are you an effective son? Are you a trustworthy son? You see, that repentance flows from how we walk before the Lord is an, is an outflow of our gratitude. It's deeply personal in reaction, expression, posture, and mourning. No one can repent like you. No one can repent like you. No one can repent like you. And in the same way a parent can pick out their child's voice in the voice of hundreds at a, at a pool party, they can hear their child scream, God knows when your voice is missing in repentance. I repented yesterday of my insufficient repenting. I, I want to intentionally drop to my knees which is very painful for me right now but I, 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 I want to do that is that necessary? for me it is I want to kneel down or, or bow across my desk 
I want to humble myself and let him know that from a place of conviction, I esteem your conviction in my heart. I esteem. Listen, don't ever ask the Lord to stop dealing with you. That conviction is the most precious of his gifts because it keeps you and him close. Nothing in between. That statement where I say, how are you doing, man? How are you doing in your walk with your Lord? And you can say, there's nothing between him and I. That is the goal. That's the standard. That's the gold standard. Nothing between. Nothing between. I don't have any righteousness on my own. That's imparted. But see, the relationship part, I can't do anything about. But the fellowship part, he won't do anything about. Are you in fellowship with the Lord? Because he's too holy to behold evil. He won't look at it. And if you're in the evil, then he's not looking at you anymore. Or looking over you. It's deeply personal. It puts to death every part of the sin and immediately restores the fellowship. It is a necessary component of the deep work of brokenness. The beauty of repentance is that it's immediately, it immediately recalibrates the believer, giving, giving clarity and restoring balance. Listen, as simple as that was at my desk yesterday, as simple as that was, my countenance lit back up. My stress went down. My peace flooded in. It's the recalibration of the soul. One thing, repentance. Agreeing with God, feeling remorse for where I missed the mark or failed intentionally or unintentionally. And then making changes so that that won't happen again. And then God grants me, watch, with the flow of his presence. Like an unclogged drain. All right, this is where angels fear to trade. I'll tell you a quick story. Any of y'all ever had a shower drain clog up? Two, two of you. Well, there's a little tool you can buy at Ace Hardware. It's a piece of plastic about that long. It's got little jagged teeth on it. Have y'all ever used this? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Have you ever used this? You stick that in there and you turn it around. You pull. I don't care how rough a Marine you are. I don't care if you're a plump. I don't care what. You pull that out. Two things happen. <laughs> you either distance it from you or you run out with it. You wrap it up. And I had like a hazmat suit. Wrap it up in three different bags, set fire to it, you know. Ah! And you know, an, another remarkable thing happened. You turn the shower on. Hey, there ain't six inches of water in here no more. The drain works. And when the drain works, the water goes to the places it's supposed to go. And when I repent, Instead of waiting till it's horrible, if I just clear the channel out, the sap of his goodness, the sap of his presence. See, he's the vine, we're the branch. It flows freely to us, not through our efforts, but through our opening of the channel. Does that make sense? Don't wait till it's killing you and everybody else too to repent. 
you know, like the, the drain there. I'm going to ask Kelly, I asked her before, could I do this? Uh, you know, my wife is quite the horse whisperer, her and grandma, and Becca comes over and rides, and my little Olivia won two blue ribbons just today. And get, but Kelly, would you come up? I was asking her on the way here, and she told me something that was uh, really quite amazing. And if our musician would come here too as well. About, I was asking her about the horse because God's Word talks about a horse's bridle, uh, like how the Holy Spirit in our mouth. Will you just take your time and explain the tenderness thing and then the connection between the driver, the rider, driver, the rider and the horse and the things you were telling me in the, office, in the car? Um. What John's referring to in Psalm 32, 8 through 10, when it talks about, it's one of my life verses, you know, that God promises to lead us on the very best pathway for our lives. Um, he'll show us which way to go. And the second part of that talks about don't be like uh, a horse or a senseless mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. So you know what the bit is, right? It's a metal piece that goes in the horse's mouth fitted with a bridle. You think it's how you steer the horse, right? You've seen every TV show. Everybody's got a bridle. Um, that's how everybody makes the horse go, move, turn, do whatever you need to do. But the bridle, I've been praying about this, trying to keep it in context with what John's been preaching today. The bridle is the last resort. When you are riding the horse, they are infinitely sensitive to all of your movements, to your heartbeat, to the electrical impulses in your body. You can't hide anything from them. They know when you're afraid, when you're frustrated, um, when you're angry, they know everything that is going on in you. So you need to stay in check when you're on them. You move them by your body moving. They're that sensitive that they will turn and move and stop and do anything just by the movements of your body, not your hands, not you controlling their face. They're just, God intuitively designed them that way to be able to move so beautifully. I can turn my head and our horse will turn. So without pulling the reins. Without pulling the reins. And in fact, there's a whole discipline of riding that's called reining and a lot of the emphasis of it. And there's a beautiful video I'll post it on my Facebook page, but the whole emphasis of it is riding the horse without anything on their face to control it. You can make them do anything and, and my horse, I can be riding him and I can think something that I'm about to ask him to do and he'll start to do it. Not because he's connected with me telepathically or anything, but my body instinctively slightly moves when I think that thing. And he's so responsive to that, I could have not moved anything else and he'll just move along. So I think about the beauty of that didn't you tell me, too, they learn your patterns? Like you said, it's not that he's reading your mind. Yeah. You told me, he said, well, the last 10 times we did this. Yes. He, he knows what I'm asking. You know, my trainer says that, too. She goes, he knows what you're about to ask him to do. They just mm -hmm. know our pattern. 
and it's called raining. Raining, raining. So if the Lord, if we're the horse that no man has ever rode and we untie the colt, the master has need of him. Do you remember? Yeah. And you get on, he said, I'll lead you if you'll let me. I don't want to jerk the bit through your mouth. And you told me it's the most tender spot mm-hmm. for the horse. Yeah, it's very, very. And it's called raining. He said, I'll rain, I'll rain over you. I don't have to rain you in to rain you, to rain over you. Thank you, Kelly. You're welcome. Y'all give her a hand, would you? So, this is not so much a one-time thing. I, I, I want to put this out there. You, 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 guys, you go to this church. You're disciples. You know the word. I'm just giving you something to go search out at home. And so here's what I'm asking you. Does the Lord have to use a bit to pull you? If so, maybe that's why you're so sore and wounded with him. But what if he says, John, yes, Lord. Give this, do that. John, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Repentance is the thing we do over and over and over again because we know the Lord's predictive behavior with us. He's going to choose the holy thing. He's going to choose the righteous thing. He's going to do the thing that assaults my flesh but builds my spirit. He's going to do the thing that prefers that person to me. He's going to do the thing that reflects his image. And he reigns in us. So may I ask you a question? And then... For some of you, it'll be a good message, preacher. You know, go to lunch and forget about it. But with these questions, would you go spend some time alone with the Lord and answer them? When I, when I hear a message like this that's a specific challenge, I like to write it out. Okay? So here's the questions. How often do you repent? Now, that's the things where we break the law of God, sins of omission and commission. And just the times we feel we grieve the Lord. And when I say how often do you repent, we're not talking about apologies. We're talking about agreeing with what God says, feeling regret and remorse, and making necessary changes. Those three things. How often do you repent? And you can work that out your way. You can say approximately per day or, you know, how often. Number two, how quickly do you repent? We say in a child when they're slow to repent. I know none of y'all have ever raised stubborn children. Little boy said, well, just, he just happens to be named Johnny. No, no connection whatsoever. And they said, Johnny, sit down. Johnny, sit down. Boy, I'm telling you, sit down. I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. You see, that's not obedience. That's reluctance. That's doing the lesser of two evils. My little boy, Elisha. I'm, you know, I've, I've never parented babies before. And now they're, I can't believe they'll be 11 this month, the girls, and he's nine. But I can't talk to him any kind of way. His little heart's so tender. 
It's just so tender. If I, boy, what's wrong with you? Just that. And his lip starts jerking. I go, I'm a horrible man. <laughs> and I'll kneel in front of him in a minute. God knows I do. And I said, buddy, come over here. I want you to pray for daddy. Ask God, help daddy not be a butt. And he's like, God, <laughs> help daddy not to be a butt. You know, he'll pray over You know, there's men in this room that have never, their children have never seen him repent before God or his wife. Same with women. How often do you repent and how, how quickly do you repent? And does your repentance involve other people? Mm -mm. It don't matter what you did. I have to tell my wife, I said, it doesn't matter what it was about. If I hurt your feelings, I'm wrong. I don't want to do that. And you don't think your flesh is alive? Try apologizing when you think or know you're right. Is it just me? Your flesh rises up, but repentance, the changing. So how often, how quickly, how easily? That's a good indicator of how alive your flesh, your old man is. Are you doing the things you used to do? See, you can't be the man you're supposed to be if you're still doing the things you used to do. And if it's hard to repent, you've not gained as much ground as you think you have. Because we know the beauty of repentance. We know the glory of repentance. We know the results of repentance. If I confess my sins and repent, he's faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So how often, how quickly, how easily, and how sincerely do you repent? And finally, how current is your repentance? If I were able to walk the aisles of this church and speak to that one or two things that no one knows that you might still be doing. First of all, it's not my business that you know is wrong or the thing that you've forgotten about that you've never made right with somebody to the best of your knowledge please know that it's not about the thing it's about repentance because if you have a humble heart and you repent willingly and thoroughly and unto God everything else heals itself even if they won't be restored to you you just tell them you know but as for me told someone not too long ago that really left me with a life wound. I told him, I said, I just want you to know that when I speak of you, I remember the good. Oh, you did that because you're noble. No, I've just learned that if I humble myself in the sight of the Lord, then the Lord will lift me up. You see, and he adorns you with this grace. What would happen in the coming days if Jesus tarries, which I, don't, I think he's at the door. What would happen if instead of being known by your giftings, your abilities, your zip code, the car you drove, what if you were known by repentance?
What would happen if our altars begin to fill up again even before you do altar calls? <laughs> Naturally. Not beating people up to do it. We're right in the middle of the worship song. I can't go another minute. I got to make it right. I got to kneel. In the grocery store. Right there, express checkout. Just pause. Let them get mad. And just, God, I'm so sorry. Ain't nobody going to bother you. You lift your hand up and start apologizing or repenting before God. They'll go around you. Trust me, they ain't bothering you. <laughs> Some of you came in today with a question that you've not asked out loud. You said, what's wrong with my soul? It's that you have an unrepentant heart. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins might be blotted out so that times of refreshing would come upon you from the presence of the Lord. I've asked them to, to play one song. I saw this on Christy Hersey's page. It came up on my news feed. It was just a, a, a Nigerian man and woman in their early 20s that played this song. And what I'd like you to do, this is not the place that we're going to work it all out. This is your commitment to God to work it out. Say, Lord, this message was for me, and I don't care who knows it. I want to come stand around this front. I want you to come join me for this final song, and then we'll pray and dismiss. Philip, would you cue that for me? Sweep over us, Lord, I pray. By your spirit, Lord. By your spirit, Lord. Glory to your name, Lord. I will choose you, Lord. Over and over again. I will choose your way. Over and over again. There is no going back to the place that I used to be. I am not going back to the past where I used to be, Lord. Lord, I give you all my life. Father, I give you all my life. Yeah. I give you all my life. Yeah. I will choose you, Lord. 
is no going back to the place that I used to be. No, 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 I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I will stay here with you. I'm not going back. Oh, I'm not going back. Not going back. Father, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. Father, I'm not going back. Go ahead and turn I'm that down. to your promises. I'm not going back. Father, I'm not going back. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm a mess. But if it wasn't for your discernment and your conviction, where would I be? A wreck. Thank you for this message for opening my eyes, Lord God, that repentance is not just for a sinner, Lord, but it's for me. And Lord God, what I ask is that you help me have the wisdom that when repentance needs to be made, I'm quick to it. And I also make the correct changes that point me in the direction of what your will for me is. Lord God, I thank you for loving me, for teaching us, and for being our wonderful Savior. Lord God, we love you, we praise you, we give you all glory and honor in Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day.